message is radiant. Everyone say radiant. That's going to be the goal of tonight's message, that you walk out of here radiating God's glory. I want to remind everyone that our time of prayer for our family is not over. The team for Peru is back. The team to India comes back tomorrow. And we still have the Romania team that's coming back in a week. Continue to pray. Could you throw Hebrews uh, 12.1 up there? Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne, or the right hand of the throne of God. So, last or two Sundays ago, Matt preached the word "fix your eyes." We're to fix our eyes on the presence of God and not be deterred by anything. Judah and Justin Linton preached an amazing word called "He wants you to win." Where we're reminded of Psalm 138 that God will fulfill his purpose for you. You have a reason to be confident. And Justin and Abimbola, the Holy Ghost steamroller, reminded us that despite Satan's efforts in your life, the Lord is working behind the scenes on your behalf and his promises will be fulfilled in your life. I want to read Psalm 18. Do you guys remember that from... The word, let's start in verse 16. I want to recap some of the things that they shared on. And it it was such an amazing scripture that captured the heart of God. Do you want to capture the heart of God tonight? Then let's look at what his word says he's going to do for those who seek him. He reached down from on high and he took hold of me. He drew me out of deep waters. He rescued me from my powerful enemy, from my foes who were too strong for me. They confronted me in the day of my disaster, but the Lord was my support. He brought me into a spacious place, and he rescued me because he delighted in me. We have reason for confidence because the Lord of Lords is going to rescue us. And we have an obligation with a God who's willing to save us to respond appropriately to that kind of love. As we move forward in Psalm 18, it it gets more amazing. The things that the Lord's going to do with the man that he rescues. He has a purpose for him. Amen. So come on, guys. How many of you enjoyed worship tonight? How many of you enjoyed not just being in the presence of God, but enjoyed kind of pushing back in the spiritual realm a little bit? You know what? I'm tired of being pushed around. I'm tired of seeing babies die. I'm tired of seeing our children get sick. I'm tired of hospital visits. I'm tired of of families that are struggling each and every week with these kind of things. I'm tired of it. So guys, I would encourage you, keep that kind of Luke 16, 16 attitude. Keep that attitude with you tonight. Guys, I want to encourage you, keep fighting keep fighting. It's no lie that we are in a very, very real struggle. But guys, I can encourage you right now, and I can tell you with full confidence, this isn't a regular Wednesday. It's not just a regular Wednesday night during your week that you come in here, you file in, you worship, you listen to a sermon, you maybe hit the altar at the end and you go away. It's not that kind of Wednesday. Let me tell you, the Holy Ghost has something special. Something special for us tonight, church. I want desperately that me and Peyton and all of you guys can grab a hold of it like we need to. I want to because the title of the message is Radiant. And I want every single person, man, woman, and child in this place to be more radiant with God's presence after you walk out of here than when you walked in. I want you to have a genuine encounter with the radiant throne of God. Do you want that tonight, church? Do you want that tonight, church? We're going to continue in Psalm 18. We're going to pick up in verse 25. Please say there if you are still there in Psalm 18. 
Amen. To the faithful, you show yourself faithful. How many people want with all their heart to be faithful to Jesus tonight? I want to be faithful to my king because even when I was faithless, at the beginning of my walk, he revealed himself to me. And now that I know what I know, I have to be faithful. I want to be faithful. I get to be faithful because he's opened up my eyes. Don't you want that, church? To the blameless, you show yourself blameless. Who wants to be blameless in the house of God tonight? I do. To the pure, you show yourself pure. How many of you guys are striving for personal holiness and purity? I know that I am. Every day of my life, I'm going after purity. Wives, women, how many of you are striving for pure thoughts? How many of you are striving to have no negative thoughts where no negative thoughts should be? I know even even as a man, I am striving for no negative thoughts, for right, pure emotions before the Lord God. And I know that you guys are doing the same thing. I know it. Look at the next line. To the crooked, you show yourself shrewd. There's a shift here. It's, it's worth noting. We've got to realize that there is a shift. Something's happened. We talked about faithful. We talked about blameless. We talked about pure. Now we're talking about crooked and shrewd. What is this? The word for crooked, it's talking about a moral, a religious, a social perversion, something that is twisted. We are supposed to be made in the image of God and being made more and more into his likeness every day. But when you're crooked, there's something that you know that has been twisted in your life. And it's producing something. It's producing a shrewdness. This shrewdness is used to describe spiritual and relational tensions that arise in your own life. That's interesting. Because that shows up as tensions in the relationships that you have with one another in this room. When you have something crooked in your heart, it shows up. And some sort of lack of shalom with the people sitting around you. Now I want you to look to your right and look to your left. I know that you guys love each other and that you want to love each other more. I know that that is your desire. So when you're looking around, I want you to, to really look. Say, I, I don't think I have any, any crooked way in me like that. I don't think, I don't think that's me tonight. But I want you to look around and make sure that there are no unhealthy tensions between yourself and somebody else sitting in this room. Think about that one for a second. If there are, then you might have something that needs adjusting. You might have something in your life that needs straightening. When you're in your house, when you're someplace comfortable, where you've got your guard down, how do you talk about the brothers and sisters in this room? How do you talk about your best friends, the ones that are supposed to be the closest to you, the ones that you're supposed to be putting above yourself in every way? How do you speak about these people in the comfort of your own home? How do you do that? Think about that, guys. Husbands, how do you let your wife speak about the other women in this church? Do you allow her to speak flippantly and negatively about the other women here guys this is something that we need to grab a hold of today because he wants us to be radiant church he wants us to be a church that shines a church that absolutely exudes his holiness and his light and his radiance and we can't do it if we're harboring things like this let's get past this today church Verse 27, you save the humble, but bring low those whose eyes are haughty. Get those haughty eyes out of here. Hey, tell me, tell me tonight, I'm going to get those haughty eyes out of here. Man, they don't belong in, the, in this place, church. Haughty eyes don't belong here. Verse 28, you, O Lord, keep my lamp burning. My God turns my darkness to light. I want a lamp that never goes out. I want a candle that is seen by the rest of the world. I want to light a fire that burns inside of my soul that wherever I go, the world can see it. 
I want God to keep that lamp burning. I want Him to, to keep that thing burning inside of me that the rest of the world could see. And I want my darkness turned into light tonight. I know that there's still some darkness, still some imperfection, still some wickedness in the corners of, of my heart. And I want to drag that darkness into the light tonight. And the Holy Ghost is providing a way for us to do that. Praise His name. Peyton's going to share with us from 1 John chapter 1. You guys want to be radiant tonight? As Nick and I were studying, we were, we were getting fired up. I was getting fired up. And Nick was saying, you know, you're, you get fired up, but I think I want to see something on the next level come from you. And as I was studying this, I was, I was burdened, but I was encouraged. And I got a fire in my soul for you guys. Because as I look out, I see my family. I see some of my neighbors, my best friends. I see my elders and their wives. I see my pastors who have poured their very life into mine. And I'm, I'm willing to go to my grave with anything that tries to take the radiance that God wants you to reflect. It's worth fighting for. And it starts with digging into our own hearts, looking at our lives and the things that are pulling the presence of God out of our life, that are keeping us in darkness, or we're going into darkness with it. We're going to see it out tonight with the word. Let's go to 1 John 1 and start in verse 5. Amen. Just being smiling people and happy people makes you like any other church. This isn't like any other church. Been all around the world, and I've been in countless number of churches. There's nobody like you guys. You know, in the one association, there's no one like the, the Christians in the one association. There's, they're of something heavenly. They're of something radiant. Let's look at verse 5. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him, there is no darkness. Where's the darkness at in your life? What did you do right before service that you know God hates, but you thought you could just stumble in here and be in his presence and forget all about it? God will reveal it, but he loves whenever a humble heart repents and says, God, you're helping me drag this into the light, and your word says that you're going to help me kill it. So I'm going to take the first step, God. I'm going to show you that I love you by taking the first step, not waiting until the inevitable discipline happens and I'm humiliated. Let's be obedient tonight. Verse 6. If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. Verse 7. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. Who are you offended with tonight? Who do you have the unresolved issue that you're scared to bring up because you know it's, it's going to be a tangle. You're going to have to work through some things. Who's that brother that you're going to have to talk to tonight? Who's that one that you've convinced yourself it's not an issue, but everything that that person does annoys you? Everything that that pastor does, I think is wrong or I have a better revelation. The issue isn't with them at all. The issue is the darkness that's in your heart that wants to devour you. And the amazing thing that the Lord does is when we fellowship with each other, the light in others help, helps us find out where that light is. And if we walk in the light of Jesus, the word says that we can have true fellowship with each other. Yeah. What true fellowship looks like to me is when I'm in my home, enjoying the company of my closest friends, the kingdom of God is breaking out and his radiant light is reflecting on my face. What that also means is whenever I am with a another brother in the privacy of my home that I don't take the liberty to reveal all the dark secrets of my heart because I've already dealt with them. This is how we have good fellowship with each other is we deal with the darkness in our hearts. We drag it into the light and let the Holy Spirit just crush it. There's something about the light that radiates from the throne of God. Let's look at some of the creatures that surround his throne. You guys want a, a picture of what the throne of God looks like tonight? 
You, you want to hear just a little bit about those living creatures tonight and see what it is that makes them the way that they are? Let's turn together to Isaiah chapter 6. We're going to start in the first verse. Say there when you're there. Man, you guys are fast tonight. You're with us tonight. You're excited tonight. Makes us excited as well to be with you. Isaiah 6, 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him, everyone say above him, were seraphs, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. Anybody know what seraph means? Anybody? Yeah, burn, fire, fiery ones. Guys, above the throne were these creatures, these living creatures called seraphs. And because they were by the throne, they can't help to be ablaze. They cannot help but to be fiery ones. It is their name. It is their function. It is a big part of who they are to be ablaze because they are surrounding above the throne of God. Revelation chapter 4. We're going to read 5 and 6. Verse 5, from the throne came flashes of lightning, rumblings, peals of thunder. Before the throne, seven lamps were blazing. These are the seven spirits of God. Also before the throne, there was what looked like a sea of glass clear as crystal. In the center, around the throne, everyone say around the throne were four living creatures, and they were covered with eyes in front and in back. You say around the throne, there are these living creatures, and they are in the midst of seven lamps that are absolutely set ablaze before God's throne. Set ablaze on fire. Ezekiel chapter 1, verse 13. Oh yeah, we got one. Oh, I hear five. Ezekiel chapter 1, verse 13. The appearance of the living creatures was like burning coals of fire or like torches. Five moved back and forth among the creatures. It was bright and lightning flashed out of it. The creatures sped back and forth like flashes of lightning. In this verse, it says, below the throne is where these creatures are located. Below the throne, the cherubim are here, and they look like burning coals of fire, or like torches. We find out from Ezekiel 9, 3, that these creatures are in fact cherubim. So we have above the throne, seraphs. Around the throne, living creatures. Below the throne, cherubim. Look, all around God's throne. No matter where you look, no matter what angle you're taking, your gaze, there are these living creatures that are burning and they are on fire. Why do you think that is? Hop down to verse 25 in Ezekiel chapter 1. We're going to find out exactly why that is. Then there came a voice from above the expanse, over their heads. You see, they're below the throne. As they stood with lowered wings, above the expanse, over their heads, was what looked like a throne of sapphire. And high above, on the throne, was a figure like that of a man. I saw from what appeared to be his waist up, he looked like glowing metal, as if full of fire. And from there down, he looked like fire, and brilliant light surrounded him. Like the appearance of a rainbow in the clouds on a rainy day, so was the radiance around him. Guys, does this excite anybody in this room? That it doesn't matter what angle you come at the throne of God with. What matters is that you're going after his throne. It doesn't matter if you come at it from below, if you come at it from above, if you come at it from around. It doesn't matter how you get to the throne. What matters is that you get there and you get changed. You get there and you get affected by the very substance of the man sitting on the throne. You see, he is fiery. 
He is ablaze. He is full of zeal for his house and his kingdom. He is absolutely, completely, and totally glowing because that is the substance of what he is made of. And when you approach his throne and you spend some time there, you have to go away changed. You don't get a choice. Guys, you don't get an option of whether you're glowing or not after that encounter. You don't get an option whether you are changed after encountering the Holy One. You have to be changed. The option that you have is whether you make the trek to the throne or not. Come on, we're going to make the trek. We're going to make the trek like Moses. Moses was awesome. I love talking about Moses. He, he encourages my faith on a daily basis. In Exodus 32, he goes up on the mountain, comes down, and the people are in sick idolatry. They had let darkness overtake them. But in Exodus 33, he's asking the Lord, how can we go anywhere and be distinguished from the people unless your presence is with us? Unless we're radiant with the God of Israel. Now for your life, are you asking for that distinction? That God would shine on you every day to make you different than every single person in the world? Or are you trying to blend in and go covert oper- operation in evangelism? We're called to be radiant. The radiant church of Jesus Christ. Amen. There should be a distinction between your life and your lost neighbor. And that light in you will draw them to the presence of God. But you can't go from light to darkness and dwell there. We're pulling people from darkness into light. Let's go to Exodus 34. Start in verse 28. Moses was there with the Lord 40 days and 40 nights. Say 40. It's a long time. Without eating bread or drinking water. He wrote on the tablets the words of the covenant, the Ten Commandments. When Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the testimony in his hand, he was not aware that his face was radiant because he had spoken with the Lord. When Aaron and all the Israelites saw Moses, his face was radiant, and they were afraid to come near him. But Moses called to them. So Aaron and all the leaders of the community came back to him, and he spoke to them. Afterwards, all the Israelites came near him, and, gave him all, and he gave them all the commands the Lord had given him on Mount Sinai. Verse 33. When Moses had finished speaking to them, he put a veil over his face. But whenever he entered the Lord's presence to speak with him, he removed the veil until he came out. When he came out and told the Israelites what he had been commanded, he saw that his face was radiant. Then Moses would put the veil back on his face until he went to speak with the Lord. When we're around the radiant presence of the Lord, or if you look at Moses' life, Being in the presence of the Lord is what made him radiant. That's what we're getting at tonight. You can't be radiant if you're not going after that presence of God. If you're not charging after his throne with whatever it takes. Sometimes that's a radical amputation, a radical repentance, a radical getting right between brothers to establish shalom so that the Holy Spirit can dwell with his people and you can radiate his presence. What are you willing to do to get that? Moses went 40 days and 40 nights without anything. And I know he didn't regret it because he was, he was willing to give everything, do the most difficult thing to have the presence of God in his life. It was amazing. And the presence of God shone on his face. Do you want that tonight? Yes. You know, oftentimes before I started studying the word, I thought, Man, Moses had it so good. He just had to climb the mountain, be really hungry for 40 days, and then he got to shine bright with the presence of God. I can't do that. Maybe I, you know, I'll shine in another way. I'll find my own groove. I'll find my own, my own way of radiating God's light. Let's look at 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 3 and verse 7 in light of that. You guys still with me? Verse 7, now with the ministry that brought death, which was engraven in letters of stone, came with glory, so that the Israelites could not steadily, uh, look steadily at Moses' face because of its glory. Fading though it was, will not the ministry of the Spirit be more glorious? 
If the ministry that condemns men is glorious, how much more glorious is the ministry that brings righteousness? For what was glorious has no glory now in comparison with the surpassing glory. And if what was fading away came with glory, how much greater is the glory which lasts? See, the ministry of the Spirit is even more glorious. What we get to experience tonight in this room is more glorious than what Moses got on the mountain. That's worth fighting for. That's worth linking arms with your brothers and your sisters and standing as a family and saying, we're going into the presence of God together. That's how no one gets left behind. That's how offense doesn't stay within our body. When we're all hungering for something greater than our own prerogative, God will bless that. And he says, I'm going to make you radiate. I'm going to make you distinct among all other people. Let's look at verse 12. Therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. Say very bold. We are not like Moses who put a veil over his face to keep the Israelites from gazing at it while the radiance was fading away. But their minds were made dull, for to this day the same veil remains when the Old Covenant is read. It has not been removed because only Christ, say in Christ, Christ. is it taken away. Even to this day when Moses is read, a veil covers their heart. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, that's Jesus, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory. We are being transformed into his likeness with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is spirit. As a body, we're supposed to be reflecting God's glory with ever increasing measure. That means next service, we should be reflecting more. That means the next service after that, we should be reflecting more so that when we go on these overseas trips to preach the gospel, there's a distinction made in the lost remnant that God wants is going to be drawn to us because there's a distinction. They see us radiating with something that they've never seen, but they know that they want. How is your radiance? Is it fading? Or is it getting brighter? Is it getting dim because of sin and apathy in your life? And it's perpetually just muddying the waters. It's turning the, that bright light that once shined from you down. We have to kill that tonight. Amen. And you can. Amen. We're going we're gonna to stand together and we're going to get things right. And the Lord is going to let his presence be in this room and let us see it. We're going to radiate. We're going to radiate with the presence of God. Amen. Everybody say with me, he wants me to be radiant. Say it again. He wants me to be radiant. He wants me to be radiant. We're about to talk about a couple things that have to be addressed if we're going to be radiant with his presence. You know, it, it takes a sacrifice. It takes something that hurts, something that is painful to get to the point where you are radiating more of the glory of the throne of God in your life. It takes sacrifice to get there. Are you guys willing to sacrifice tonight, to get more of the radiance of the glory of God in your life and in your family and in your home and in your workplace and when you go to the grocery store and when you're driving down the street, are you willing? Are you willing to sacrifice something to get more of that radiance tonight, church? Because I'm willing. I'm willing and I'm hungry for it and I want it. And the truth is, is that we need it, church. We need that radiance. We need that glory of God reflecting from us tonight. So we're going to have to talk about a couple things before we get there. Turn with me to Numbers chapter 12. Mighty God, would you make our hearts soft tonight, Jesus? Numbers chapter 12. Miriam and Aaron began to talk against Moses because of his Cushite wife, for he had married a Cushite. Has the Lord spoken only through Moses? They asked. Hasn't he also spoken through us? And the Lord heard this. Don't think that the things that you're speaking in your bedroom in secret, the Lord is not hearing. Don't think that the negativity that's coming out of your mouth, that's coming out of your family's mouth, in the privacy of your own home, that the Lord is not hearing. Is your heart soft tonight? 
Are you able to ask Him? Even if you think that you're blameless in this area, are you able to ask Him tonight with a, with a pure, blameless heart, faithful, coming before Him? Are you able to ask Him tonight, church, is this me? Is this me tonight? Because, Lord, I don't, I don't want that glory, that, that radiance to be fading in my life, Jesus. I don't want something on my back that's preventing me from shining the way that you want me to shine. I know that you want me to be radiant. I know that it's available to me. I know that the ministry of the Spirit is so much more radiant than that of Moses. It's so much more, it's so much brighter, it's so much better, it's so much greater than what they experienced. And I know it's available to me and I know that you want me to have it, Lord. Examine my heart, Father. Is this me? Verse 10. When the cloud lifted from above above the tent, which, by the way, they were in, there stood Miriam, leprous like snow. Aaron turned toward her and saw that she had leprosy. Yeah, but they were in the throne room of God. Where was the radiance that was supposed to come from the throne room? Where, Where was it shining? Was it on Aaron? Was it on Miriam? Was it on this brother and sister pair? It was not on them. You see? And that's, that's the answer to the question for us too. Because the truth is, is that we're seeking the presence of God often in our lives, aren't we? Didn't we just come from an anointed worship service? You see, so maybe there's, there's a couple other angles that we're missing here. Maybe just being in the cloud isn't good enough to come out of it with your face automatically radiant. Maybe there's something that we're missing here that must be dealt with. You see, sin, sin blinds us, church. It prevents us from seeing His radiance. It dulls His presence to us. It dulls the excitement and the joy and the power and everything else that comes or that's supposed to come with being in His presence. It dulls our desire to force our way into His presence. It dulls our desire to take hold of what God has promised us and to not let it go. It dulls our desire to walk in the promises of God. You see, sin really dulls everything for us. Things begin to lose their luster. Michael presented a word a couple nights ago. And it was awesome. I absolutely loved it. And the word and the title of the word was about blindness. So turn with me, if you would, to one of his scriptures, 1 John chapter 2. We've got three of these. 1 John chapter 2, and we're going to start in verse 9. We're going to see what the Holy Spirit was doing this week among some of the brothers. I am sure that after reading some of these verses together, you will be confident that the Holy Ghost can speak to the oldest and to the youngest. That the Holy Spirit can speak to some that have the most um, experience and some that have the least experience among us. Are you guys in 1 John chapter 2? Verse 9, anyone who claims to be in the light but hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother lives in the light, and there is nothing in him to make him stumble. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. He does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded him. Guys, if you have an offense, it doesn't matter where you're standing. It doesn't matter. You can be right here in this building tonight and standing in darkness and not even know it. Not even realize that you're in darkness because you are blinded. You have blindness and it is affecting your vision and your sight. You can be blinded by your own dark state. Guys, do you know tonight that he wants you to be radiant? Do you know? Can you say he wants me to be radiant? So let's just deal with this thing. Turn with me to John chapter. I'm sorry, not John. Turn with me to Revelation chapter 3. We're going to read verse 17. You say, I am rich. I have acquired wealth 
and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are a wretched, pitiful, poor, and blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire, so that you can become rich, and white clothes to wear, so you can cover your shameful nakedness, and salve to put on your eyes, so you can see. You may be blind, but you don't have to stay that way. Jesus can heal you. He can heal you tonight. If you desire to be set free from your darkness, set free from your blindness, Jesus will save you from that tonight. In Revelation 3, he's saying, get salve from me. Well, let's get some salve. What is it? We don't know. That's the point. You have to ask him. When you know you're blinded by sin in your life and you don't know what to do next, you have to fall on your knees and say, Jesus, I need salve for my eyes. I am blind. I can't see, I can't see the light of the day. Lord, I haven't felt your presence. I need salve from you. Will you help me? And he will come in like Psalm 18 says, and he will tear the heavens apart and he will heal your blindness. Maybe that salve is your next act of obedience. Maybe. It's getting that offense off your chest. But the truth is, only Jesus can open your eyes if you're blind. Only Jesus can do that. Your religious fig leaves of being consistent enough or being at the right place at the right time doesn't cure your blindness. It only convinces you that you can see, right? We need to get salve. Go to John 9. And then find verse 39. For Jesus said, For judgment I have come into this world, so that the blind will see, and those who see will become blind. Some Pharisees who were with him heard him say this and asked, What? Are, you, are we blind too? Jesus said, If you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now that you claim you can see, your guilt remains. Do you see clearly today? You think you see everything. You're blind. You are blind unless you know Jesus has opened your eyes. Do you know why Jesus said this to the Pharisees? It's because while Jesus was standing there, the blind man that he healed looked up and he worshipped Jesus. While those people seeing the same Jesus, the Pharisees, did absolutely nothing. You prove that you have not encountered the presence of God when you remain unmoved in his radiant presence. When we stand in a worship service and the Lord's pounding in your chest, saying, you need to get right. You need to prophesy this. You need to do this with your life. And you remain unmoved. You prove that you are blind. And you're guilty. You're guilty. Now, there's many things that keep a man from repenting. Maybe it's your pride. Maybe it's fear. That's not the point. If you exalt, you know, your pride and all these things that get in, get in the way, like all your excuses, they do nothing for the glory of God. If you want to give glory to God, kill your excuses tonight. Fall on your face on this altar and ask Jesus to give you salve so you can see. So you can see that next act of obedience. So you can see your brother rightly. So you can see your pastors rightly. So you can speak to your wife rightly. So you can fellowship in the light of his presence. See, we want, we want to leave here tonight knowing for a fact, being able to look into each other's eyes and seeing that we have been changed by the radiance of God. We want to leave this place tonight. Every single soul sitting in this room, we want to be absolutely confident that you are radiant because you've dealt with darkness. You've dealt with sin. You've dealt with the things that are hindering and dulling down your spiritual senses. And you've experienced the throne of God, but this time you didn't leave and look the same. You didn't leave and look just like the, the same way that you came in or maybe a little tweak here and there. You didn't leave just with a message that we preached and a couple scripture strings. You actually left tonight glowing with the radiance of God. 
And if you happen to stop anywhere on the way home, you happen to go home and see somebody, a neighbor or something, they would understand that there is a difference with you. What we want to do is create a kind of culture that encompasses this radiance that you get from his throne. You got to couple, couple it with that repentance. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5. He wants to set us free tonight because he wants us to be radiant. That is his desire, church. It is his desire. In Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 8, it says, You were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. If you don't have to do anything, then there would be no command there to live as children of light. There's a command and there's a requirement. We must live as children of light. The fruit of light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. you got to drag that darkness right into the light. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. Who wants to start with themselves tonight? I want to start with myself tonight. I want to expose the fruitless deeds of darkness that I have been involved in. I want to start right here because I want to shine. I want to radiate the glory of God. It is my greatest desire to live a supernatural life. Guys, I can't just live naturally in this flesh anymore. I just can't walk naturally in this flesh anymore. I just can't bear that to know that the Holy Ghost is inside of me, but nobody notices. Nobody knows. I can't bear that any longer, guys. For it is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. If you're doing something in secret, drag it out tonight. Drag it out and don't be afraid. Don't be scared of what's going to happen or what men are going to think. Guess what? Because after you drag it out, you're going to be shining and radiant so much with the presence of God that nobody's going to care what you did yesterday. Nobody's going to care what you dragged into the light. Because you're radiant with the presence of God. Because the darkness is dragged into the light and it's actually physically becoming light. Guys, our God is so amazing. Jesus is amazing. Because whatever darkness you have right now, if light shines on it, then it becomes light. It becomes light and it cannot be hidden any longer. You are changed. Everything exposed by the light becomes visible are you seeing it for it is light that makes everything visible this is why it is said wake up O sleeper rise from the dead and christ will shine on you come on there is a word in tongues and a prophecy in this worship service on the front end what did the holy spirit say wake up dead men Wake up, you who are dead. Rise up from your graves tonight. Let the light of Christ shine on you. Guys, I'm here to bear witness with what the Spirit wants to say to you tonight. This is exactly the word that you need to hear. It's what all of us need to hear. Wake up, O sleeper. Wake up, O dead man. Rise from the dead and get that radiant Spirit inside of you shining. Shining in this world. Turn with me. John chapter 1. When you bring that darkness into the light, it becomes light. And Christ will shine on you. It is a definite. It is a definite, brothers. It's a definite, sisters. Christ's light and His radiance will shine on you when He sees you bringing something dark into His light. He will shine. He will blaze. Verse 4 in John chapter 1. In Him was life. And that life was the light of men. This verse is so profound. Are you carrying around that life that can be found in Christ tonight? Because if you are, I'm here to tell you that there's a greater measure of that life or that light that you can be carrying around, but it takes you getting rid of something else first. It takes you removing something else first. Verse 9 says... The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. 
So how much like Him are you? How much like Christ are you? Are you beginning to see that, that disparity tonight? It's good if you are. Can you guys feel that disparity? How much, how much, Nick, how much are you like Christ tonight? Do I have, do I have growth to be had? The answer is yes, and there is a disparity. There's one more thing about the light and the radiance that we want to share with you tonight. Are you ready? It's amazing when the Lord shows us our lack because he can give us more. There's people in this room that are radiant tonight. Schmidt family, you are radiant tonight. Pastor Piro and your family, you are radiant tonight. Bim, you are radiant tonight. But it doesn't compare to the radiance that you will have when you walk out of this room right with the living God and reflecting his presence to the world. Now, this church has been beat up. We've been through hell and back. But we've been faithful. And to the faithful, he shows himself faithful. And we are being made into his likeness with an ever-increasing measure. I would say with rapid pace, this body is being made into his likeness. That's why a family like the Schmitz can walk in tonight and be radiant with the presence of God in the midst of what seems like hell. It's because the Lord is with them. Let's go to Matthew 5. When the word became flesh and the time came for that word to speak to humanity, what was he going to say? What's he going to say? I'm God. I'm everything. You would think. But look in verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The poor in spirit, Jesus wants to give you the kingdom. Not the rich, not the famous, not the competent, not the confident, but the poor, the ones who need him. The ones who every night have to go into their bedroom and fall on their knees and say, Lord, if you don't help me with tomorrow, I'm not going to make it. Lord, if you don't deliver me from this depression and this apathy or this clouded mind, God, I feel like I'll never know you. I need you to help me. And just, just like we read in Revelation 3, he will give you salve to cure your blindness. You see, there's a, there's a saying we, we kick around. Saying we need to get out of the mental illness of the majority and get into the sanctified mind of the minority. We need to get into the minority mindset today. That no matter what comes against us, we are going to stand in the presence of God and we're going to radiate light into the darkness. And that darkness is not going to understand it. They're not going to understand why you have joy in the midst of a miscarriage. He's not going to know why you're going to experience joy and happiness and victory in the midst of death, or loss of job, or even fights between brothers. He's not going to understand why he can't beat you. Satan doesn't understand why he can't beat you. Why the more that he presses you, the more that he pushes you, the more that he tries to defeat you, the brighter you get. He doesn't understand. He doesn't understand why the Schmidt family is brighter. Why the Arizona family is shining brighter. Why the Riasora family is just getting brighter and brighter. The harder and harder that he tries to kill you. You will be crushed, but you will not be defeated. This is where it gets good. As Jesus goes through his sermon, look in verse 14. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. The poor man, the poor in spirit, Jesus wants to give the kingdom. And what does he make that poor man? He makes him a light to the world. A city on a hill that cannot be hidden. When you stand with the Lord, though you may be poor, he will give you the kingdom. Though you may have nothing to offer, he will put you as a light on a hill that the whole world can look at and see the greatness of God. As we turn the book of Isaiah, 
realize you have reason for confidence tonight. You have reason for confidence because he wants you to be radiant. He wants that. You don't have to be afraid to drag sin into the light tonight. You don't have to be afraid. He wants you to be radiant. You don't have to be scared to confess things that you're struggling with, where you're scared, where you feel like Satan might be getting the best of you. Because if you drag it into the light, he's going to help you. He's going to help you. Isaiah chapter 60 is really special right now as we wrap this thing up tonight. Isaiah chapter 60 is special because it shows us what happens. What happens when we strive for radiance? What happens to us when you and I, we strive after that radiance? No matter what it costs us or what we have to go through for it, we get it. Isaiah 60, verse 1, Arise and shine, church, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you tonight. Tonight, the glory of the Lord is going to rise. Shine upon you, church. Verse 2, See, darkness covers the earth. Thick darkness is over the peoples. Lord God, renew our distinction with that darkness tonight. Holy Spirit, renew that distinction. Let there be a line between the righteous and the wicked, between your light and their darkness. But the Lord rises upon you, and His glory appears over you like one of those living creatures. Verse 3, Nations will come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Isn't that the goal of all this? That nations will stream to you. That peoples will come to see what this brightness is all about. Why? Why is Paul radiant? Why is he shining the way that he is? Why can I see no darkness in that man? It is crazy to me. I must figure out who he is and what God he serves. Nations will come to your light, church. Verse 4. Lift up your eyes and look about you. All assemble and come to you. Your sons come from afar. Your daughters are carried on the arm. Then you will look and be radiant. Your heart will throb and swell with joy. The wealth will be brought to you. To you, the riches of the nations will come. Who wants to look and be radiant tonight? Who wants to look and be radiant tonight, church. Stand up with me.